You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Good morning. It's very early. It's so early. We're up bright and early for this. So while you're still waking up and feeling energized, I want to hit you with this clown world headline of the day. <laughs> oh, great. I'll also just quick. I really am thankful I live in the United States as opposed to something that's divulged further into clown world, the UK. <sighs> uh, because here we have here we have BBC News reporting yesterday that quote-unquote harmful gender stereotypes have been banned in advertisements quote-unquote right harmful quote-unquote a ban on advertisements featuring harmful gender stereotypes or those which are likely to cause serious or widespread offense quote 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 has come into force oh thank god (laughs) the uk's advertising watchdog introduced the ban because it found some portrayals that could play a part in quote-unquote again, here we go, limiting people's potential. Says who? These people are nuts. I mean, how do you know that? <laughs> potential to do what? I don't know. I hate when they say stuff like that. You don't know what you're talking about when you say that. <sighs> it's clearly all about control. Again, thank you to the nanny state for saving us from stereotypical advertisements. Yeah. I'm just glad we don't live in the UK. Praise the Lord, baby Jesus, and his <laughs> developmental DVDs. Baby Einstein developmental DVDs that I do not live in the UK because I could not handle that crap. I'd have already been shipped out on a raft to die. Yeah. They would have voted me off that island so hard. <laughs> yeah. I think my ancestors were actually... One of them actually dressed in drag just to get the hell away from there. So that just tells you the stock I come from. I admire <laughs> the persistence yeah. and the rebellious nature. It's very fitting for Pride Month, too. I know. That, uh, they had to dress up in drag to get away from those god-awful people. I say that, getting ready to travel to Scotland. So, yeah, what happened to the Scottish They used to be so cool. And then they just gave in. They were murdered for centuries of English rule. Just like, pick a a century. They were being destroyed by the British. Yeah, maybe that's what happened then. All the the good guys got... All the men were killed. Yeah, they were all killed off. The brave ones. I know. I know. It's so sad. It breaks my heart. R.I.P. Scotland. R.I.P. Scotland. The movie movie Braveheart, Braveheart was... Hundreds of years ago, and then versus like the I'm, I watch Outlander and read Outlander, and so oh I'm so me too for Scotland because yeah I love it. But so and that's like centuries after Braveheart would have taken place, and they're still getting just destroyed by the British. Yeah, and they they almost voted themselves out of the UK and you know became their own nation, and then and then failed failed to do that to do so failed to do so, but. What really got me there was that when the UK as a whole 
voted to leave the European Union, which is the biggest, worst, most, like, foul nanny state that you can probably find on this planet, Scotland was like, wait, no, like, we want to be a part of the European Union. Oh, dear. We need you to hold our bollocks for us. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm really ragging on them, but it's just... Man, I don't know if you're going to be allowed to go to Scotland now. I don't know. They might ban me. They might turn you back around. Our friend uh, Anthony Samerhoff probably would agree with us. And yeah. He's still allowed to live in his own country, so. Okay. Hopefully I'll. Maybe he'll vouch for you. Hopefully I'll cross paths with that guy. Maybe. Or that might actually work against <laughs> you. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So today's topic, we're going to talk about toxic femininity. Woo! Since we talked about fatherhood and our love of men last episode now it's our turn to turn towards women and feminism and i don't think it's going to be as lovely as it was for feminism as it was for fatherhood last week yeah not quite as celebratory i guess i i wrote up a really nice and detailed outline so the first thing that we talk about or that i wrote down was the question of what is feminism do you have any thoughts on how you define feminism from your perspective from my perspective so how i might define feminism it's definitely not how like others today would define it i the word itself like i immediately think of it's some kind of form of supremacy and i don't know how people don't make that connection um that if they're feminist it's not like the same thing as supremacist. Mm-hmm. They put that in every other word or context, but somehow this is a positive word and that everybody needs to get behind it. But feminism to me is just like such an arbitrary nonsense word that it means nothing to me. And as soon as somebody invokes it, I'm like, mm. okay, so I know exactly where, where you are <laughs> and what you stand for. And you probably need to evaluate some things. Yeah. I kind of put in here... That it used to mean that there it was a movement to try and get society to view women as equal to men or that they had the access to equal rights as men did. And I think that's true. I think it used to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely... Once upon a time. Yeah, it's definitely changed into something else. And, you know, I thought about it. I talked about this with my mom, too, yesterday. I love that you went to her. Yeah, because when my mom was young you know, the women weren't in the workforce, really. And you definitely didn't have women CEOs and doctors and lawyers and politicians like you do today. So I kind of got her perspective on things. We talked about how feminism, there are, are some really good aspects of what feminism has done for us. Of course. One of the things that I was, I was thinking of was that countries in which they don't give women equal rights like we do in our country or, let's say, in the West, those countries don't fare as well economically or socially as we do. So there is something to be said about giving every human being that right. Absolutely. So that we can each come to our potential. Right. We talked about, me and my mom kind of discussed the the values that the Western civilizations have, which um, we are founded in the Judeo-Christian type of philosophy in which every human being, every individual has a value that it doesn't matter how rich you are, 
It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter how much education you have. It doesn't matter what gender, what color your your skin is. Every human being is of equal value. Mm -hmm. And what we do with ourselves is how we change social economic system, how we just get through life, basically. So I agreed with hey, you on that. Hey, Jesse, can I, can I pause you real quick so like I can be the person who's listening and play the devil's advocate? Jesse, the Founding Fathers, <laughs> uh, they were not religious. They didn't believe in God. Well, that's a lie because they were all deists of some sort, whether they were specifically <clears throat> Christians or not. But um, <laughs> I, I'm beating my own arguments here. But Jesse... Uh, women couldn't vote and people owned slaves. <laughs> so how was everybody equal? Well, that's the thing that, you know, we as our society over time, we realized the mistakes that we were making because exactly that because of those values that we had, we had those start that starting point. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, if you even just just think about how far along the our Western world has come, you know, from being especially like just Europe and for example from going just from being these crazy like Celts the Visigoths the Gauls we were just these conglomerate groups of people that had pagan belief systems and then once mm -hmm. Catholicism reached all the way through west the western world then there was so much change after that like when you just talk about the medieval times there was a lot of not just industrial changes, you know, but it was also just a widespread knowledge that was spread throughout the world at that time. Mm -hmm. And it affected their culture and the way they behaved to each other. And like, harkening back to Outlander, um, <laughs> they were very superstitious mm -hmm. and believed in demons instead of um, a child eating something that was poisonous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I think that you can say today Catholicism has a lot of problems, but I think any historian will tell you that the spread of Christianity throughout all of Europe also brought with it a, a knowledge about how to treat people, how to view the world in a much more peaceful way. And it did unite a lot of people underneath a specific religion, but also a specific morality so it mm -hmm. did do some good for us. Moral code. And it would just make sense to me that when you have that basic belief system, that it would spread to not just yourself, but you would start to see the value in other people, regardless of all these different changes. And as we spread out and we became more, I guess we saw we had more exchanges with different people of different faiths and different cultures, we started to see their value as well, too, because once you have that basic belief system, you have no choice but to kind of see everything through that lens. Definitely. So I, I do think that slavery was wrong. And I do think that when we didn't allow women the right to vote, that was wrong. And we own up to it. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't own up to that. <laughs> anybody who, honestly, anybody that I know that sits back and thinks that we need to go back to those times, I don't really spend a lot of time with because they're crazy. So I don't think that there's anybody arguing that we need to do that today. I think that we all like, so what you're just saying with that potential argument that I might come across, well, yeah, that was wrong, but next. Yeah. Moving <laughs> we on. We moved on. <laughs> okay. Check. You really, you really nailed that one. 
I think that feminism in general, like that early step to feminism where we allowed women to be considered equal to men and have the same basic human rights as men, that was just going to happen. And I think it's just a natural offshoot of what the Judeo-Christian morality and philosophy would have led to anyways. And it was a good thing mm-hmm. because it, it as, you, as I just said, when you look at countries where they treat women as less than men, their socioeconomic systems are just not as advanced as ours are. And definitely not as free or the freedom and liberties aren't widespread. It's where do kings still exist? See the Middle East and how do they treat their women? Like dogs, if not worse. Yeah, unfortunately. That's another thing. And Yeah, very unfortunate. It's weird because in the Middle East, they're so advanced in so many different ways, but that is one thing that they just can't seem to bring themselves to next is letting women have full equal rights in all of their countries. And in some pla- some places they do, but it's just not a widespread. Well, they did. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a widespread all throughout the the Middle East. And I was just thinking in India, you know, India is mostly a Hindu country, but even Hinduism, I mean, that that religion and that philosophy isn't a every human has the equal value type thing. It's more like your value comes from your deeds. It comes from what caste you're born in. It comes from, you know, who your father is and what he does for a living. It's all of these things. It's not, it doesn't, it, it doesn't take into account that you're, you're of some value regardless of these things. So when you already, when you grow up with that as your basis, your, your viewpoint on humanity is going to be completely different. But anyways, I think we spent enough time on that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely started at one point. I think people refer to it as like first wave feminism, maybe where we did actually have women fighting to make sure. And thankfully, like these women were warriors, like awesome. And they are the ones that you know, risked everything mm-hmm. to make sure that they had this, that women had the same rights as men to vote, to own property, to be able to inherit things from their fathers, their families, mm-hmm. things of that nature, be able to go to, go to work if they so choose. Yeah. First wave feminism. We've come a long way since there. Yeah. And then, so once we got the right to vote, then feminism turned into you know, what maybe my, my parent, my mother's generation was, I'm thinking of like the bra burning and women were getting into the workforce. Um, birth control was a thing now. And so women were able to have, that was like, that was like third wave. I don't, okay. I'm trying to think about how it, I've heard it break broken down before. I'm not exactly sure what second wave was. Maybe that was just more the acceptance of women being in the workplace as opposed mm-hmm. to like being allowed to be. So that might have still been pretty okay and just like another wave of actual progression, you know, having more freedom, having more um, of the ability to do what it is that they either wanted and or needed to do to support their families, to support themselves. And then came the third wave feminists, mm-hmm. which were the bra burners. My mom was a hippie and, I, and my mom says she used to be a feminist, you know, back in those days because... You know, it just wasn't, you know, she was 
going on to get an education. And I think that that was also, you know, she's a baby boomer. Like, she's a boomer. So mm. her parents... Those boomers. Had... Her her mother was a nurse, and her father was an engineer, and he worked on the Manhattan Project. And so they had... Damn. They worked hard so that their kids could go to college. My mom was going to go to college. So my mom was one of these women that probably was one of the first ones to be educated with a, a college education in her generation or in her family. And there's a lot on her shoulders to kind of carry that torch. So I think that that generation was kind of the last real feminist that we needed because there really was, they were the ones that, that paved the way for us. And now we have more CEOs. We have more female doctors. In fact, the field I work in is so female dominated that even the doctors that I worked with were all female, except for maybe a couple. And now, I mean, it's just, to me, I see just, we have come so far thanks to the third wave feminism, but now I'm not sure what we're doing today. And that was kind of the next question was really just, you know, what is feminism doing for women now? What is it really accomplishing now? I think, and we kind of touched on this last week, so not to like be more repetitive than we need to, but I think today what's happening is just utter confusion and dissatisfaction and crappy relationships and crappy marriages, or at least like that's what's kind of come about. But I do think, and you know, so I'm a little bit younger than you, as we point out. all the time and it's just still surprising but it's because I'm really old at heart um but it's what I'm noticing and what I'm really kind of excited about is that I see glimmers of hope in my generation like my age range and then even like a little bit younger that they're kind of rebelling back to a more traditional role or setup or way to live life like people are going back to kind of getting married younger again and starting to have kids younger again because mm-hmm. they realized that they kind of grew up in a world of turmoil. Uh, and when I say turmoil, it's definitely relative and it's not the kind of like war-torn country turmoil, but just, what's the word? Like relationship turmoil, just watching everybody has gone through divorce because they got married for all the wrong reasons and... So, like, I, I do see hope in mm-hmm. that people are kind of realizing what didn't work for people and are trying to go back to certain things and ways, but with a, a whole new mindset and um, conscientiousness and awareness that I think we all need and is important and is actually, like, what progresses humans and men and women together. I would say that there's still these shrieking crazy women that are trying are trying to grasp onto dear life to this idea that women don't have as many rights as men yeah today in the united states in modern day america modern day western civilization and it's like yo lady like calm down you're scaring people yeah i think of microaggressions Ugh. 
You know, I think of like, what was it? I rape or something as somebody said, like where a guy is just looking at you like he wants to have sex with you. So that means you're being raped. Oh, so he looked at you. Yeah. That's it, right? It's grasping at straws to find some way to be a victim about your gender. And it's just ridiculous. And it it seems inconsistent to me because you're talking about like, there's, we live in a society where you can just choose whatever gender you want to. So men can be women and women can be men, but women are oppressed still. And <laughs> it's just like, ugh, I don't know. Men are privileged and women are not privileged, but if you're a man, you can be a but woman. But you can choose to be whatever you want to be. So it's just... Now, it, it, that's just another example of... Um, clown world. Clown world, <laughs> yeah. And people focusing too much on their feelings and leaning into them too much. I'll say that um, in my own experience, I think I am a pretty logical, rational human being and maybe significantly more so as a, for a female, I happen to love Austrian economics and libertarian philosophy, which people might not normally see or associate with femininity or just women in general. But, um, we've been over this before, like high five. What's up? Mm -hmm. What's up? What's up my Liberty ladies? But, oh my God, where was I going with this? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, but so uh, leaning overly into your emotions versus that logical backbone that you have in there somewhere to some degree, ladies, all of you do. The emotions are what are make our lives more tumultuous than they need to be. Mm -hmm. And so whether you're single and on your own and being a single mom and doing those things on your own, you've got to contend with these things called emotions. And sometimes it might be easier to have a partner, like a male partner or whatever have you, but somebody who is that more logical person on your side to, you know, help you keep in check. It's like, Thank you. I need that because God, it's exhausting being my own, <laughs> being my own inner, inner patrol. But and I was just gonna say, like, since you're talking about single motherhoods, like, what do you think feminism has, how it has impacted the American family now? I think it's made people more sad, and we talked about it last week. Like, unfortunately, it's it's one of those things where it can lead to resentment and. Those are things you don't ever want to feel about your Mm -hmm. own family and your own children. And I went through a period recently, like I'm young, I'm turning 29, but I'm feeling older than ever. Biological clock. Can't, can't turn it, can't turn it off. You know, people were asking me like, oh, well, would you ever just want to have a child on your own? I was like, no, absolutely not. I would not want to do that to the kid. There's a lot of women out there that have no choice now. Mm -hmm. They have been put into situations of any kind and where they are, and I thank them for, you know, not aborting their baby, like, fighting the good fight and bringing that life into the world and continuing to take care of it and raise and develop it. But I would, I don't, I think it's crazy to encourage that kind of behavior and that kind of family. Yeah. If, if it could be avoided, children need the whole family unit. Right. That's the whole point of the family unit ever becoming a thing that we've evolved to have. And I I think that's, you know, I was thinking, like, what was the purpose of the family? What was the original purpose of a family? And back in the day, 
you know, back even when we were talking about like caveman times, when you had to, it was a lot easier to just think about your unit, your family, than it was to try and and take care of a whole tribe of people. Mm-hmm. You can take care of a tribe of people if each family is taking care of themselves. So the father's yep. providing, the woman is taking care of the children. It had it had a function that a cohesive um, unit. Yeah, to make sure that every person within that tribe was taken care of. The kids were taken care of. The women were taken care of. The men were were being pr- taken care of when they came home with the food, the supplies, mm-hmm. with the carcass. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was the the smallest way that of a entire tribe that you could protect yourself. And now we've kind of moved away from that. I think you know now we can rely on the government for money, for childcare, for education. There's not a whole lot of uh, incentive anymore to um, to rely on the husband, to rely on the father, to provide for the family anymore. And we've no, kind definitely. Of, we've kind of tried to we've kind of circled around the dad and then just pushed him to the side. You know what? Like we don't need you, actually, which is sad and it's so false. <laughs> but then we've had that, and that's the thing is that I think what feminism used to be was that men were dominating. And they were objectifying and subjecting women and putting them in a lower status and not giving them basic human rights. And that was the imbalance. And now we're getting to a point where now we're at a different type of imbalance where the women are the future is feminine. And, you know, it's just now we don't we don't value the men's role in the in a relationship in a family anymore. And that's we're seeing how that that impacts women especially because we don't have we don't have that backbone anymore we don't you know we're the emotional side we're the more agreeable side we need to have that balance we can't just always be that all the time we need to have somebody with more logic and their hormones aren't making them go crazy and i'm sorry but women we do have hormones that make us go crazy oh, if God, you've ever we have so many hormones i went if you've ever been a pregnant woman you know what i mean okay <laughs> Not there yet, and I can't even imagine because what the hell. And <sighs> and I am at an age now where I'm just not even looking forward to it. But I'm I, I I'm getting closer and closer to menopause, and um, I don't look forward to what that will do to my body. So it is good to have somebody. Men are just a lot more even keel, whereas women are all over the place. But we need that. That's not a bad thing. We just need to have the even keel part to help balance it out. Again, it's the yin and the yang, and we need both parts within our own individual selves. It's a battle, but also, like, in finding that in another person, a hum- another human, whether you're in a same-gender relationship or not. Like, it's just about finding that other person that matches and complements you. Mm-hmm. And so acting as if we don't need this other person, whoever they might be, is... Uh, detrimental to ourselves, to the children that we're trying to bring into this world, to the society that we think we want to create. It's just so counterproductive and counterintuitive. And I mean, I think that, you know, as far as like how um, feminism has affected the family, you know, we've told the father he's not important anymore. And now we're raising children without that figure in the house, all the, like, you know, you could say, oh, well, he goes and stays with his dad on weekends or every other week. Okay, yeah, so he gets to see his dad. Okay, sure. But 
his dad is not there every day in case something goes down. You know what yeah. I mean? And what do you think that and what do you think that does to the dad, the man? Like to a man needs to be needed. Yeah. That's they their do. whole that's their how they're biologically wired. They need to be needed. They need to do things. That's why they're great at like tasks and the words of affirmation once they've done them, it's like give them that pat on the back. But so like in re- in removing the father and having this quote unquote female empowerment like girls can do it on their own they can raise all the babies and like make and raise the babies we can't do everything like we are already doing so much right but to expect and to say that we can do everything is a lie and it's not producing the women it's not allowing the women to kind of stay true to themselves and stay sane and be as powerful mothers as they would want to be and powerful outside of the home family and humans. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's a disruption to nature. And I don't know why these like pro science people are so anti-biology, anti-human psychology. Right. Right. The think the thing is, is that fathers bring something completely unique to the table when it comes to just how to raise kids because the mother can be that nurturer. And when, you know, your daughter comes home from school because some kids were mean to her, you know, then the father can come and step in and take them to go get ice cream, take them for a walk. I know for me, my dad would take me on hikes or he would just take me down into the shop and we would make something that, or work on something that he was building at the time it sounds so stupid, maybe, because he's not going to be sitting here le- letting me just, like, emote all over him. But that's not exactly what I needed. I needed a distraction, mm-hmm. and I needed something physical to do that only my father could do for me because that was his skill. You know, and mm-hmm. I see that with my husband when he's doing that with our kids. He takes them for walks. And he takes them hiking and um, he's an outdoors guy. So that's his thing. And, you know, some he'll even have my daughter out there helping wash his car. <laughs> like if she's being bad and she's driving me crazy, that's all. She will be completely satisfied washing his car. And she loves it. So, yeah, that's something. Give her a task. Yeah. If I was a single Things mom, to do. Mm-hmm. I would be, I probably would just go insane because I couldn't even think of those kind of things. That's just not in my DNA. To... It wouldn't be fair for you to have to do both things. You're <laughs> not two people. You are one person. You right. do not have split personalities. You can only be who you are, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, you know, give yourselves a break and get right. into a nice, stable relationship. <laughs> right. So I think but that... But in order to do so, you can't hate the other gender, ladies. You can't act like they're the worst things that ever happened to mankind, like to humankind. I should say. Mankind. What do you do if you are a feminist and you think men are the devil, even though you don't quote say that, but you think that men are just these god awful things that rape women and take their jobs and get paid more? Well, what do you do when you have a son? You you're going to tell him that he's bad and that I feel bad for those sons. 
Yeah, you're going to send him that message that, okay, I love you, son, but you have this DNA inside of you that's going to make you into a huge, this monster. And I have to do, yeah. I have to exercise this out of you. And okay, I can hear it now. I can hear it now. All the feminists saying, that's not what we're doing. But you uh, are. Insert, you are yeah, no. in how he listens to you when you're reading mm-hmm. an article and then you ex- exclaim out loud, that mother effer. Or when you're watching Donald Trump on TV, that liar, he's a rapist, he's a sexist, he's a misogynist. That's what you're doing to your son, is he's internalizing all of that information that you're giving him. And you don't realize you're and doing it, that. And it makes him hate himself. Yeah. So these women are doing so, it's like inadvertently creating that toxic masculinity where they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to behave or act in the world or act to other females or act to other guys. It's because you're you're basically telling them that they are awful people. Yeah, like this toxic masculinity you talk about. You make them afraid to be you create it. what their their body is saying to do. Like they want to be aggressive with their friends. They want to pursue a woman. They want to express themselves. And you're, t- and you're making them afraid to do all of these things that is natural to them. So that's just something, that's my soapbox about that because I've just watched this happen amongst the world around me. Um, and I know that there was a, Ben Shapiro talked about this article that this woman wrote about her son. <laughs> and then Ben Shapiro <laughs> offered the son a job. Oh, my gosh. Wait, <laughs> I, I haven't you, heard about this. Oh, I wish I could remember what it was, but she was basically, like, the she's talking about toxic masculinity and how she's afraid that her son is going to be indoctrinated or something like that, and um, because he's been listening to Ben Shapiro him. or... Oh, but Ben Shapiro, the moderate. And, so Ben Shapiro offered the kid a job. <laughs> did just, he take it? No, I don't think he did. I think oh, he was too afraid on, to. man. That would have been so man awesome. Up. That would have been so awesome. I'll take the job. Is it too late? I mean, imagine the son, though. His mo- his mom writes a popular column for a popular um, blog post, and he's the subject of it. Ugh, makes me feel so bad for them. <sighs> so, I'm just saying. And I'm not saying that everybody, like, I have friends that are, that consider themselves feminists. I don't think that every one of my friends that is a feminist is doing this i'm just saying yeah be careful what you say in front of your son i know you hate donald trump or mike pence and you might hate all republicans because you think they're all sexist and whatever but misogynist yeah when you're throwing those words around and you're saying that in front of your son without context it's it's going to confuse them i'm sorry because you're literally addressing one gender when you're saying that and, you know, that make sons love their moms. You know, uh, there's something that Maddie, if you ever, when you have children and if you ever have a son, you'll realize this. There's such a, just a difference in what, how girls and boys are. I mean, boys are so devoted to their moms. They love their moms so much. They mm-hmm. will even, I've seen with young men when I was working at Peninsula, Men who had abusive mothers, even, they still, like, they love uh. their moms. So what you say about men, it goes right in there in the center of them, and it will affect mm-hmm. them their whole lives. So I suggest 
keep all your opinions about Trump and Pence and all that inside. If you have a son that's older and he can and you can talk to him about it, maybe you can explain it to him when he, where he can understand it. But I just don't think that it's healthy to just go, oh, what if? effing misogynist like that doesn't do anything you're not fixing anything (laughs) not fixing anything confusing people and you're demonizing a whole gender exacerbating and creating a problem yeah and you're and the thing is you another thing that you're talking about is like women in the dating scene too because i wanted to hit on that too because i you know before i met my husband i remember just dating was really hard it was hard to find a good balance because, you know, I'm looking for somebody who's kind of like my dad, who valued me, but didn't just bow down to my every whim. And it was hard to find that balance because I would find that guys that I was, that I felt like I didn't really have to struggle with as much, they were also just not very assertive. And then the guys that were, I don't know, I found, I found it very difficult because I, I'm thinking of like one ex-boyfriend in particular Mm-hmm. Before my husband, I've seen the way your face facial expressions just changed. I'm trying to explain, so now I'm intrigued. <laughs> this is the one, and I talked about him probably in the last episode. He said, "I remember," and he said flippantly to me that, "Oh, it's just a man's world, so just deal with it." And he was talking about how men are just gonna always want to like pursue other women and stuff like that, and and I just was like, "Huh." Uh, not every man wants to always look for something better. There are some men that love their women and they want to be with their women. Like I, cause I know that because I look at my family and my parents and I see that they want to be tied down, you know, like they all, I think it's another thing that has been warped because of quote unquote feminism in action and introduction of the birth control pill and all those different methods in which women are able to participate in, what were restrictively baby-making procedures Mm -hmm. and now have consequence-free sex. And it has really... It has a lot of consequences. (laughs) Lots of consequences, whether there's a baby or no. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's not told to girls at a younger age. Like, it's just basically like, here's a bowl of condoms and jump right in. Get to it, girls. You're free and empowered. Like, go F everybody. It's like, that's not a good idea, because then you're ignoring all the natural emotional attachments that exist and come from that kind of union and interaction. And so, but these girls are all being as promiscuous as they think guys can and want to be. The guys are just like, all right, well, let me just sit back and wait for the next chick to come my way. Yeah, because they don't have to try anymore. Clearly not. Mm -hmm. And, but... You know, that's detrimental to both sides again. Yeah, they don't know how to be a man in the relationship anymore because the women are taking control. Mm-hmm. Like, the women are the ones that are calling uh, calling the guys up and asking them to come over. The women are the ones that are asking guys oh. out on dates and getting their phone numbers. And so it the, the guy is losing his ability to pursue and work hard for what he wants. And sometimes he doesn't know what he wants, honestly. That's what I found... A lot of times when I would be in the dating scene is like, well, what do you want? Oh, I'm just having fun. You don't think about getting married or having kids or starting that whole part of your life. I I saw that a lot. Like, you know, when I met my husband, Mm -hmm. I was in my early 30s. My husband was the only one that was like, yeah, I'm ready to get 
married, have kids, settled down. I was dating guys in that were older than me that were, you know, in their well into the thirties that were still like, I don't know. I don't know. We might get, I might get married. I don't know. We'll see. Well, to that, it was, I was, you were making me think of it earlier, but it's kind of infantilized both sexes, mm-hmm. both women and men, because it's delaying this natural process and consequence that you're going to have to all of a sudden be responsible for somebody besides yourself, like besides your partner, but this other life and being and person that you're bringing into the world. And so it's delaying my generation from growing up. And so we're just babies. And it's really like, I'm almost, I'll be 30 in a a minute and (laughs) I'll be 30 next year. But it's like, we all feel like we're not grown-ups yet or yes. we're getting there we're uh, still quote-unquote adulting that is very but true it's like that is my so grandmother true. at 21 had maybe two of her own kids and was fostering two kids and she was more of a grown-up than i could even imagine being but so like the infantilization it's uh, this one weird thing where feminists today are acting like women are too sensitive to deal with advertisements that might yeah. portray them as being homemakers. Ooh, or gender stereotypes. Ooh. But at the same time, like, they're like, it's so contradictory. Women are strong and empowered and the future is feminine and, like, we can do everything. We rule free around the world. All that, stump, <laughs> all that dumb stuff. And it's really like, and the, the next turn of phrase is them talking about how we need to be protected by the state. Yeah. All these different authorities. We can't take care of ourselves. We can't make our own decisions for ourselves. We can't be responsible enough to not have sex before marriage and make a baby. Like, all this stuff. It's like, just pick. Just pick pick one. Pick. I, I can't deal with the inconsistency. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, we need to, <sighs> we need to have access to birth control or uh, abortions because you can't expect me to use my brain to plan ahead and maybe put myself on birth control or in, and expect him to wear a condom. Yeah, right? It's just too much responsibility. But then also, like, we need more female CEOs. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, okay, well, you can't run your own body or menstrual cycle enough to not have children that you don't want to at that time, but you also think you should run a company? Yeah. It doesn't add up. It, I'm telling you, like, I can't deal with the inconsistencies here. But so, like, just to the fact of what it's done to the family, it's it delays the family. And um, the family, what are we living for? Mm-hmm. I hate the selfish, like, live your life, live in the moment culture. Let, yes, I'm a diehard yogi, and you should be present in every moment because you only get that moment once. Yeah. You have a small window where you can have children. You don't have forever. And that's it. So, you know, the the thing is, is that you can run your own company and you can make all this money. But chances are when you die, you'll be forgotten. There's only so many people that get remembered after they die. Their legacy, you mm-hmm. know, like Martin Luther King or Gandhi and um, Mother Teresa those are all people who have a legacy that goes beyond them for other reasons, but most of us are not going to have that legacy. Our legacy is going to be our children. You know, mm-hmm. the, my, the legacy of my grandmother is told in the stories of my parents and, and my, my cousins 
And we will pass that legacy on to, I've already passed that on to my children, that the, that's the legacy that we have. That's, that's the, mm-hmm. what we really have. And if you miss that window of opportunity because you're pursuing a career that's going to give you nothing back, man, you might get a, a lot of money and you might get a nice big house. And material things. But how many people are going to be there on, when next to you when you're dying? How many of those people that you worked for that you that gave you their money, are they going to be there on your deathbed with you? Are they going to comfort you as you're dying? No, that's going to be your family. And I guess that's something as a hospice nurse, I see that, you know, I have seen that firsthand. I've seen adults, I've seen people who've died on by themselves in a nursing home that were found by an RN just working their shift. Mm. And then I've had some who are in a, tiny house and up in the mountains of Jellico in a house filled with family. So that's beautiful. I'm sad, obviously. Yeah. Cause any loss of life is sad, but that's the celebration of continued life, like continued purpose, meaning that underlies everything. We only think about what we're going to do tomorrow. We only think about what we're going to do for the next, we have a five year plan. We never think about the legacy we want to leave on for the rest of the world to, you know, to pass on through our kids, through mm-hmm. our generation, w- w- the values that we we have. We don't think about those things. So hopefully today we're ho- changing some minds about that because true femininity is in those things, I think. It is in the passing on of the values to our kids. If we can't have children, that's understandable, but you pass those on maybe to your nieces, your nephews, mm-hmm. the children that you adopt, your neighbors, your people that you work with, like there is still that driving creative force within us as women mm-hmm. that we need to be very care- very careful with and not undervalue ourselves ever, but also not underestimate the impact that we have on every single person around us. Like we can make that for the better and we have certainly seen it make its uses for the worse. Oh, another thing I was going to say too, because when you're talking about like safe sex and all that and promiscuity, I was thinking, you know, now we have a vaccine for HPV because that has become such a prevalent thing that young kids and young adults have. And it's because of, I, I mean, you can't deny it's because of this promiscuity that we or seem to be okay with in our society. It's gotten so bad that instead of just having a whole education about abstinence, about saving yourself, about protecting yourself, now we're just going to vaccinate our preteens with this vac uh, with this like HPV uh, vaccination. I, I'm like, I just feel like that's just a band aid over a, a, a again. Yep, another band aid on the bullet wound. Yeah. The next thing I was going to think I was going to talk about is, well, I was going to ask, like, what rights do men have that women do not have? That was a question I asked on Facebook yesterday, and it got a lot of arguments. I didn't see your post, but I've heard, obviously, that question asked many times in recent, or at least I've asked myself that question many times in recent years, just as a response to the crazy world we have found ourselves in. And it's just like, uh, none? (laughs) One person said that the gender pay gap, which that can easily... Which has been debunked yeah. by anybody who can read a economics essay. It's just 
it is so, so misleading. And the fact that President Obama himself, like, went out and touted this thing as being a real, real-life problem, it's just, like, that's unforgivably deceiving. Yeah, well, it's already illegal to pay women less than men. That was a yeah. the Equal Pay Act of 1963 signed by John F. Kennedy Jr. Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> It's already on the books. It's against the law. If it happens, we've talked about this. And, I mean, it's been talked about in multitudes of different podcasts. It's in books. It's in articles. Women just make different choices than men when it comes to employment. We pick different career options that pay less than men. Different benefits mean different things to us, like job flexibility versus having to be on call 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know, like, somebody, one of my friends is a nurse, she asked, well, why do men RNs make more money than women RNs? Well, men tend to take more shifts, they work overtime, they they just are willing to stay longer if they need to, and they are more likely to get raises and get promotions because of that. I mean, that's just the truth. They're more reliable. Women... They're more available. They're not running home to feed, breastfeed their baby. And thank God. <laughs> Thank God they're not. When nurses get pregnant, it's like a virus. It just hits the whole hospital. It's like when one woman gets pregnant, like there's like 16 other ones that get pregnant at the same time and they all take off on maternity leave at the same time. So they like to hire men because they're not going to get pregnant and they're not going to take maternity leave. (laughs) So (laughs) that's, I mean, and that's true of any career. I mean, women lawyers, women um, doctors, women CEOs, women everything. They just... They are going to have to, if they want to be home with their kids when they're young, they're going to take that time off. They, they are going to have to take time off to give birth. Mm-hmm. It's an important process. Yeah. And they should. And they should be home with their kids. And there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it's a burden to stay home with your kids. No. And I don't think that we need... Be luckier if you're able to. Yeah, I don't think we should shame women for doing that at all. I think we should praise mm-hmm. them for doing that because they're willing to make a sacrifice. But I also think that um, we just need to be a little realistic about that. So maybe companies on their own need to step up and, you know, Netflix does do a paid maternity leave. Maybe more companies need to step up and do something like that. We need, we probably should put the pressure on them to do that. But as far as like getting government involved in it, they've already been involved. They've already made a law. What more? Can, what do you want them to do? You want them to take our tax dollars and pay women to stay home? Ugh, No. Don't take any more of my money, you god-awful, evil sons of... I mean, a lot of places give PTO time. You can use your PTO. That's what I did when I had kids. I am racking up my PTO, so I've got... And then also, like, my company um, provides additional, like, side insurance uh, that you can sign up for and sort of pay into. And so I'm paying into, besides the maternity leave I'll be able to get from my company, I'm making all the right choices in saving up and putting aside this other money that will be able to come my way so I can take off more time. Mm -hmm. It's all about choices, people. Make good ones. Yeah, and it's just personal responsibility, which we seem to think that we don't need to give women that for some reason. Again, it's like females are so powerful and run the world, but we can't hold them responsible for their decisions and adult decisions. Yeah. Nah, drives me crazy. And anyway, we could go on about this for <laughs> feminin- feminism is such a broad topic and maybe we'll discuss some more issues about it later. But I think we pretty much covered most of it today. So 
Follow us on Twitter. We're at Vixens Voluntary. And we're definitely on Instagram. I mean, we're just blowing up. Instagram blows up. But also, like, quick Ladies of Liberty love uh, to once last week, who I know is listening. She's my girl I found through yoga and through mutual friends. And just, I was so honored to see that she left a review. <laughs> and then also, yo, girl, Carrie Wedler. She's she's liking our stuff. I'm so pumped about that just because she is a badass when it comes to laying down the facts and not letting not letting her emotions run her, but like using emotion to be so awesome on the anti-war, anti-war on drugs front, like anti-state. She's awesome. So if you're not following her, follow her. Yeah. And yes. we're on Instagram at Voluntary Vixens. Then we're also on Facebook at Voluntary Vixens. We have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash uppercase vixens underscore voluntary. All the V, the V's are the uppercase. And um, where else? Anything? I can't think of anything else. They can email us. Oh, yeah. They can email us at voluntaryvixens at gmail.com. You can find us on the MLGA, or is it Make Liberty Great Again podcast network. We're part of that. Yeah. Our homies. And I was going to say, we've gotten a lot of really good reviews on our Apple's po- Apple podcast reviews. I'm just going to ask, you know, leave us a review, please. We love to read those. And of course, if you have, uh, we're really active on Instagram. So if you want to slide into our DMs and give us suggestions, do so. We'll see you there. Just keep it. <laughs> just try to keep it appropriate. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. <sighs> on that note, that's that's it for today. Vixies, let's keep it sane. Keep it peaceful. Keep it voluntary. Goodbye.